Good morning, church. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice and are glad in it. I'm thankful to be here today. My name is Paul. For those whom I've not met, I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. It's really good to see all of you. Thankful to have those live streaming as well. Um, as we are every week, we're grateful that you've taken an hour out of your time to spend in worship with us today. We pray that you've already been met by uh, Jesus Christ through those with skin on standing at the front door, certainly through the Holy Spirit in worship, uh, through transition and, and the offering message that was just, uh, that was just given. We, we love you with the love of the Lord and pray that you have experienced such this morning. I'm grateful also, though, for the volunteers every week who are here early and stay late to ensure that we can do what we're doing each week. I don't have to use my coaching voice up here because somebody is here early in the morning to make sure the sound levels are all right. Can y'all hear me pretty well? And so we're going to give a shout out to the AV team. Uh, can y'all just raise, maybe just raise your hands? Zandy, Nathan, I know people, they know you're working on AV because you're back there. But if anybody's interested in serving alongside them, I'm sure that they would welcome you. Uh, I'm grateful, too, for every team. Uh, if I can give one or two more shout-outs to the worship team. We don't have to play a CD every week, though I'm not beyond that. I can get down to a really good worship video. But we don't have to do that because every week on their own, they decided, you know what, why don't we get together one night of the week to come up with a song set that will fit the gifts that we have in the room. And when we get there by Sunday, we're just there to lead in worship. So I'm grateful as well for Tyler Chase, Chantel, and the entire worship team who does what they do for the Lord and for our benefit every single week. Thankful, too, that my kids, yeah, that's appropriate. Uh, and we can go on. I'm thankful, and I'll stop here because we can go on for each of the nine teams, but my kids actually like learning about the Bible. My daughter this morning said, can I come early with you? I said, I can't say no to that. Sure, come get in the car. We get there at 830. They love learning about Jesus because throughout the week, our Victory Kids team is preparing and are prepared with each of our classrooms with a ratio that allows them to give every kid attention and make learning the Bible fun. So we're grateful um, for all of what God is doing here and for you who serve as unto the Lord, um, giving of yourselves for the benefit of others. Um, anybody glad to be alive? Like just, just... Another day above ground is a good thing. Um, he wakes me up every morning. I'm just, I will open my eyes and literally this morning, especially I'm just like, man, God, you did that. <laughs> you did it again. Help me to steward this 24 hours better than I did the day prior. Because I had nothing to do with me breathing last night and certainly me opening my eyes today. So we have nothing but gratitude to a God who doesn't owe us anything. I say, God, your mercies what does the Bible say? Are new every single morning. Mercy, of course, is that that we are given that we don't deserve, or rather we're not given what we deserve. And I think as much as the sayings go on, oh, you deserve to be happy and you deserve this or that, and I'm not faulting or indicting anyone, it's come out of my mouth for sure. But really, Romans 6.26 or 3.23 says the wages of sin is death. What you, what I deserve is death, and yet mercy shows up every single morning. Psalm 23 says, goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives, literally chases us down. 
those times in our lives when we didn't even want him to chase us, we were trying to get away, be alone. He says, no, you need me more than you realize I need you. So I'm going to follow you until you recognize how much you need me. Mercy steps in every day. When I don't know what to say to my kids, Jocelyn, or say the wrong thing or don't say the thing I should say, mercy steps in. Spouses, when you don't say or do the right thing or your family members or your coworkers, mercy steps in. Is anybody grateful for mercy? Anybody recognize the mercy in your life? I would say tear the roof off of this place, but I don't want anybody uncomfortable. No, I will. Can we for 10 seconds give a shout to the Lord for the mercy of God? The mercy of God. Old preachers used to say, we come to comfort the afflicted, but to discomfort the too comfortable. So I pray that we get to the point where we can shout to the Lord with a holler like I do for my favorite basketball players because God allows me to have eyes to see that favorite basketball player. And he gives us all of what we have in our lives that we get to enjoy. And this month, to that end, we've been in a series, if you've not been with us, on stewardship. How we go about taking the gifts God has given to us, recognizing that we don't own anything, but everything that we do have is just a matter of God loaning it to us. And how do we care for it well? We talked about in the first Sunday of July how it, we can humble ourselves. And if we're ever going to steward anything well, that's sort of the, the paradigm through which we view this entire series is we've got to get down low. Pastor Sean Clemens, y'all remember Sean? When you see her a few weeks back, he said, humility is just an honest assessment of yourself, both who you are, who you are not, and whose you are. Lest you think it means, oh, woe is me. No, we're the Lord's sons and daughters. So there's something about with which we can, we can boast, but not in ourselves, in him. And when we recognize who we are and whose we are, then we can have a chance at stewarding well. We talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mystery revealed in Jesus. How else might we, we steward such a powerful gift unless we get low and allow him to empower us? The second week, we talked about how we would go about stewarding relationships, loving like it matters because it does. The person sitting next to you. The person that when you, they cross your mind, you think everything but a hug or a nice text. You might think of spiking their coffee. <laughs> Loving them too, like it matters, because it does. And then last week, we talked about how we go about stewarding the gifts God has given to each of us and doing that by receiving it first as a gift from him. The Bible says gifts are given without repentance or they are uh, irrevocable. In other words, you can have them and utilize them and do good to great things with them, but it'll bump up against the supernatural and never get there until it's received as a gift from him and utilized to his glory for the benefit of others. And so we talked about what it looks like to serve without receiving God's grace. And when we do that, we're just stewarding ambition. And this week, as an extension, and we're never finishing up really any series, we're just choosing to, sh to shift to another we're going to talk about what everybody comes to church to hear the preacher talk about. For the first time, visitors, I would apologize, but I won't apologize because I said, Lord, I'll preach what's in the Bible and I pray with the gifts you've given me. I'll do so in such a way that 2 Timothy 3.16 can be a reality, not because of me, perhaps in times in spite of me, but that your word can in fact teach, rebuke, correct, train up in righteousness. And a part of that it's talking about what God wants us to do with our finances or how to look at and 
interact with our finances. And so today is the last part of our conversation on stewardship. We're going to talk about that. I see one head nod and maybe an internal amen, but I didn't hear any outward amens. But we're going to preach it anyhow and pray that you're encouraged, perhaps a perspective shifted or reinforced what you've already known to be true according to the word of God. And by his grace, we're going to be better than when we came. Turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I feel like I'm yelling a little bit, but maybe that's just because I can't hear myself. You can hear me well, though, right? All right. First uh, <clears throat> Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. As you're going there, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God. Help us today as we study. We pray according to your word. Psalm 119 and 18 says, open up our eyes so that we may see all that is in your law. Unless you open our eyes, we can't see and certainly cannot apply that which you want to change our lives. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we can only do so when we, as the word says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear you. We need to hear a word from you. And so as we open up your scriptures, God, soften our hearts. Help us to see what you have to say about the finances you've given us to steward and help us to honor you better tomorrow than we did today better today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Y'all do something with me. I think it's on the screen. It's the NIV. Um, You can read in whatever version you have, but can you read it with me? Can we participate together? Verse 9 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. The title of the message that we are going to converse about today is Consumed by the Pursuit of God. Consumed by the Pursuit of God. So this past week, as are many folks during the summer, we were away. We were at the beach on vacation, which I'm starting to shift the language because if you have kids, you know it's not really a vacation. It's more like a family trip uh, or a sleepaway camp where we become the camp counselors, uh, which is all good. But we had a really good time. I was with my bride, uh, her family, which is my family, um, and we were spending time away in North Carolina. And fun exciting, engaging, and fellowship. And I even, I'm smiling because I'm thinking through what to share about the trip. But one thing that makes me laugh is that I actually went on a run while at the beach. I don't run. So if you know me, you'd be like doing backflips in Thanksgiving to the Lord, that I would get out and run anywhere. But I did. I got on the beach, actually, and I started to run in the morning. And the waves that were coming and the smell of the salt water and the the, the kindness of the sand to my joints actually made me want to run a little bit more. 
But it was refreshing and it was a backdrop, if you will, to communing with God. A nice backdrop. I stopped at one point and just prayed and talked to the Lord, thanked him for all he's doing in our lives and, and all that I know he will continue to do. And then later in the day or the next day, whenever it was, the whole family went out to the beach. And we started uh, with my little one on the sand. And then every so often we would take a step forward to the damp sand. And then, as you know, on the beach, you take a step forward into the water. And then at one point, my little one said, can you put me down? I said, sure, I'll put you down. And all the kids, they're playing. They're having fellowship with each other. They're laughing. They're, they're joking each other. A good time until they started to get a little further in, just about knee deep in the water. And then you start seeing them do this kind of thing, right? They're in the water doing this. What's the guy who used to dance? I'm kind of aging myself. What's the dude? Pee Wee Herman. They were doing that, right? Because now they're feeling the power of these waves that were oh so refreshing to me while running, but now they're feeling the power. So the fellowship in some, some respect was a little broken, a little bit, because now they're just kind of like trying to stay alive. And before you know it, as you know, the water's deceiving, that riptide is real. They're knocked down on their back. I'm picking one up by his collar. They're spitting out the water, wiping out their eyes, saying, what happened? And we kind of retreat back and say, yes, the waves in many ways are what it is to you. In running, they were just a backdrop. And getting in, you were consumed by them, and they knocked you down to you up, wiping your eyes and spitting out the, the salt water. Many ways for us, money can be the same way. Money does simply what it is to us, how we revere it. It could be like the waves, a really good thing, a tool. In that instance, it was a tool for me to clear my head and have God speak to me in ways that were refreshing empowering, allowing me to come back with a full tank for my family, for you, for those through the university community he's calling me to serve. Or money could, if idolized, if the love of such money is as such that you can't see or you're wandering from the faith, it can consume and do some serious damage and harm to us. The Apostle Paul, during his travels, recognized the church at Ephesus was struggling with false teaching. They were struggling with a number of things. And so he had sent and delegated, if you will, his Timothy, his disciple, which is just a student. And by the way, I hope and pray that each of us considers as we run this race of life, having a Timothy. It's all good if we're like, man, I did really well this week, doing well, read my Bible every day. But if there's nobody behind you that you can say you're passing off the baton to, we're living a bit beneath, beneath the privilege, beneath what God has called us to ultimately. So Paul here sent Timothy there to handle some of the issues in the Ephesian church, but he recognized the stress that he was under, so he sends a letter. Delegation is great, but without instruction and encouragement, it's not a whole lot. He delegated, but then said, I'm going to write you a letter, the purpose of which you can look at in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, where he says, I might be delayed in getting to you, but I'm sending you this letter so that you can help govern the conduct of this church. I know it's challenging, but he lays out some things in that particular church that needed addressing. That letter for us is the book of 1 Timothy. The text, though, that we're focusing on this morning, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, speaks to the dangers of loving money. Greed was one of the issues that were rampant in the Ephesian church. And he says in verse 9, as we read together, that those who want to, other versions say, long for riches. Those who long to get rich, those whose desire is just to obtain more dollars, 
that they will fall into temptation, temptation to do wicked things to accomplish their purposes. And a trap into, into which many foolish, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And I'll, I've said this before and I'll say it again, lest we fall prey to throwing stones at the church of antiquity, whether it's the church at Ephesus or the church at Corinth, which is easy to stand up here and say they had some issues. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, there is no temptation that is not common to man. And many times the temptations fall under one of three headings. Second John 2 and 16 says it's the lust of the eyes, that which you see and sense and take in and, and subsequently want. The lust of the flesh, what you feel like doing. I just want to, just because I want to. I don't feel right here, so I'm out. Or I don't feel a certain way, so I'm going to do X. And the pride of life. And in many ways, all three could be at play when we talk about the money issue that they were dealing with and I suspect we deal with on a daily basis. I don't know what the details of their greed look like, whether it was them taking up 50 offerings. Y'all never been there. Good, good. <laughs> but I've been there and I remember, and I'll talk a little bit about some of my background because I think you need to know who's in front of you and what culture we're wanting to build here at Victory. But I'm grateful for the elders who particularly my parents who said whenever we were out and that happened, it didn't happen in our home church so much, but they said, Paul, they just need to keep the lights on. And I'm like, but this building campaign is forever. <laughs> Where is it going? They, rent. <laughs> it's going to rent. Or perhaps it's inordinately going to pockets instead of to the ministry endeavors. God help us with the slippery terrain of talking about money in the ways you desired for us to talk about money. I don't know how greed presented itself here in the church of Ephesus. I do know Proverbs 15 and 27 says this, the greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. I know Proverbs 28 and 20 says this, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. It's a trap, verse nine says. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a trap. It's a trap. Y'all ever find yourself in a movie theater? I hope not. But in a movie theater and something's about to happen and people feel like they've got to talk to the screen. Don't go in there. No, not that room. Oh, come on, man. Don't do that. No, 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 no. And you're sitting there like, first of all, they can't hear you. Second of all, I'm just trying to watch the film. I don't have issues with controlling myself in those environments, clearly. I thought about that and I thought, man, we can sometimes be like the actors in the movie. God is saying, no, it's a trap, it's a trap. In the movies, they can't hear you, but we very much can. But like James, we get to look in the mirror and see if there's something there and have the decision to do something about it. But like in the movies, we can pretend like I'm just acting out life. Don't hear it, don't hear it. And God's saying, it's a trap. Ruin and destruction waits for you. I'm reminded of a story in Joshua chapter 7 when, when the Israelites were given Jericho. And then they started to be, at one point, chapter 7, it speaks of them being defeated by the enemies and Joshua couldn't figure it out. And then lo and behold, they found out a brother by the name of Achan went and took that which the Lord said ought to be devoted to him. Joshua catches up with him by the Lord's insight and says, bro, what are you doing? Um, and he, in essence, said, I coveted 
took that which was devoted to the Lord. He says, man, that wasn't good. Israelites took them out, stoned them, burned them. Ruin, destruction. God's saying, it's a trap. You'll pierce yourselves through with many, many griefs. And when I think about griefs that I bring on myself, certainly there are griefs as we were having a conversation earlier with our volunteer team that all of us have to deal with loss, that we are so thankful to have a God in the midst of so that we don't have to grieve without hope. I get that. But when I think about those that I bring on myself, I think about Isaiah 53 where he says, hold up. He already bore my griefs, carried my sorrows, nailed them to the cross. Why would I now participate in taking on grief that I don't need to take on? Certainly I can love him more than the pursuit of what culture says I should love more. Certainly I can open my ears a little bit and trust him when he says, do not go there. It's a trap. Don't love money. Don't be consumed by money, but be consumed instead with the pursuit of godliness, of righteousness. Be consumed with me. I shared this story a little while ago. I don't even know how many weeks ago, and I'll share it briefly here. But when we were uh, living in Northern Virginia, one point in time, month was more than money. <laughs> month was more than income. And Abby, I had a doctorate degree, finished my PhD, had a little baby, a beautiful wife, and was broke and couldn't make bills. And all my life, all I knew was to give, give, give. And then I couldn't make rent. And you know what I did? I said, well, hold up. Let me, keep, let me figure out a way to keep that to myself. God said, are you loving money more than you're loving me? Did I not say in Matthew 6, if you seek me first and my righteousness that I'll provide for you? It was easy on the mountaintop. Now where you are, how easy is it now? I said, oh, I hear you, Lord. Help me. Help me not in the midst of lack to fall prey to the same greed that one can have when you have plenty because it knows no distinction. Now, I will insert a parenthetical and get back to the text here in a moment, but it's an important parenthetical, one that I'll return to in perhaps more expansive form. But this is not to say that those without, when subject to conditions because of circumstances beyond their control, should not be upset about said circumstances. That is not what I am saying. I think there are clear charges from the word as to how we ought to engage our communities to empower those who might fall prey to such structural arrangements. What I am saying is with lack or with plenty, greed can come knocking on your door and we get to answer, what today, who today will I be consumed with? Because money does what money is to us. Money does what money is to us. But when we are consumed with the pursuit of God, we can do like David in Psalm 27 and 4 and have one desire. It says, one desire that I have, that will I seek, that will I seek after, to dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple. When we are consumed by the pursuit of God, we can, as I referenced earlier, seek him first, Matthew 6 says. We can deal honestly in our transactions. Check it out in Deuteronomy 23. When we are consumed by the pursuit of God, we can be ready to sell all that we have. 
Matthew 23 speaks of. When we are consumed by the pursuit of God, we can love him with our whole heart, our mind, and our soul. Some of my early experiences, I can remember my pastor growing up who, when he started pastoring the congregation, there was no way that a salary could be given. It just wasn't possible. Um, and then even when a salary was able to be given to this pastor, he decided to give most of it away. And I remember his youngest son being like, yo, what are you doing, dad? I'm that youngest son. <laughs> what are you doing? We, this military time, and it's good, but well, we, I didn't get it. He says, no, there's something greater than the love of this. And as I honor him, watch him provide. Malachi 3 is the one place in the Bible where he says, test me and see what I won't do. He says, watch. So he gave away most of whatever it was they were able to give. And then as they were able to give more, the, the church grew. We went from the basement in Harlem where literally I saw flying cockroaches. Y'all can tell me that's not real, but it's a real thing because I remember flying cockroaches and rats the size of cats. And Brother Julio used to stomp on them. I mean, Brother had no fear, would just kill him. And so all of us kids would be like, okay, I was scared, now I'm just grossed out. And we went from that basement apartment, uh, basement sort of sanctuary where one bathroom was separated with a curtain. We moved uptown a little bit. And then finally, we purchased a building in the Bronx, New York, that they're still in today. But when they were able to serve their pastor, the Bible talks about an elder being worthy of double honor, and that honor literally means finances. When they were able to, to afford such honor, the pastor said, now we can hire some more folks. Cut my salary like 40% and hire two people to do X, Y, or Z. And while you're doing that, save more, take more and save more so that we can buy some real estate so that when I leave, the next pastor who doesn't have the benefit of military retirement, and my dad was a chaplain at Rikers Island in the mid-90s, that they, when they come and they don't have that necessary benefit, they can have a place to live free and the salary can be theirs. They can take care of the kids, no issue. And now dad's gone the new pastor comes in, he's living in rent-free space, he has a salary, there's no concern on the part of his family, and there's real estate for other employees who they may not be able to pay as well to live in and on a fixed rent for those who need it. Two things I learned through that. One, the stewardship of money is not about me. So much of 20, 30 years ago that I remember was about somebody else and the next generation. And then I grew up, went to Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, our sending church. Got to be on their staff. Got to see up close this mega church, this bigger church. And I said, okay, let me learn because they're doing a lot of things well. And you know what I learned? That Pastor Brett wasn't getting rich from nothing. They're caring for him as they should, but not getting rich. But I know that there were jobs being created there was more than I ever thought being given away. There was the Lord speaking to him and saying, we are not going to take out a loan to build on this property. I know it's crazy because materials are increasing by the year, but we're going to do it with cash. And now the building is debt-free and they are a storehouse for people like us that they can support for the first two years of the ministry, church planters that they can support across the nation and world, jobs that they can afford to folks who might be finishing college, et cetera. The list goes on. So all that your pastor knows is that of loving God and pursuing God 
and seeing money as a tool to advance his kingdom. And that is all I know. And the byproduct, the fruit has been rich. And that is just what I've seen. I have no idea of the healing of diseases that we didn't get or the ones we had that God says, you know what, I'm just going to drop that healing right in you because you're taking care of my business. Let me take care of yours. I have no idea about all of those. And to that end, it's not even about that, really. It's a whole nother conversation. The prosperity gospel, it speaks to you sort of getting because you give. And it's really not even about that. We're giving in response to a God who gave his all. And in doing that, we get to honor the one whose mercy we celebrated earlier shows up at our doorstep every single day. That's my paradigm. Not insensitive to the slippery terrain and paradigms where you now come and say, oh, no, not again. (laughs) We're talking about money. But it's nonetheless in the word of God that we say, God, how might I love you with the first fruits of my increase? I'll have this conversation often, and I'm going to close here. I have this conversation where, not often, but every now and then, where folks will say, well, isn't that the law? Aren't we under the law when you're talking about 10% or first tenth? I say, yeah, you know, it, 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 yes, that's, it shows up. You're right, and we're under grace. But you know what I think about when we're under grace? I think, God, if I'm to give out of the grace that's been given to me, The first tenth is a starting point (laughs) when I think about the grace that shows up along with mercy every single day of my life. It's a starting point. So God, how might I here give back? And so you know this is some logistics because you may not show up in a meeting with our leaders where they get to hear some of it, but for your benefit in the context of what was just spoken here in this text, we have chosen not to receive a salary here at Victory Church. Some people say, whoa, why would you do that? Uh," I said, I know. I know what the Bible says, and I get that when that time comes, if it comes, that it'll be biblical. Don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out grain. I know, and I've asked the Lord, God, how might we build for the next generation? How might we pass the baton to the next person who might not be a professor at UVA, able to provide for his family because of that gift and opportunity that I believe is a God thing in and of itself that I hope to do for the rest of my career? How might we build in such a way that Victory owns a piece of Charlottesville and we can do our own affordable housing? How might we build in such a way that staff could be hired and we can say, God, because we loved you and not money and did it the way that you called us to do it, here's just a little bit of fruit. But it's not even just that. That's just a taste so you can get a sense of what the bigger vision here is at Victory in terms of reconciling people to God and to each other and seeing money as a tool. But even greater than that, God, what does it look like for us now to say to you, I am consumed with the pursuit of you. I am consumed by the pursuit of God. I didn't even get to verse 11, but that's, that's the but. We don't have to come to the ruin and the destruction because we're hearing with clear ears, it's a trap. We can look at our budgets and say, God, what am I consumed with? I look at ours just about every week and say, If you look at my budget, I know it tells you what I love. Help me look at that and see you. How might I tithe, but how might I give more than a tithe in response to you for what you've done in my life and see the kingdom advanced with money as a tool? God, help us to be trained up in righteousness by, yes, reading our Bibles every day. Yes, being kind, as Colossians 3 says, compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Yes, 
And God, how might we show the world what it looks like? How might we show our children who are bombarded with messages? It's not even a mystery anymore how we come up with the notion of, I need to go after it. It starts early. The images put before them, I'm like, well, my goodness, they're being trained to be lured by that. They're being trained to love money. How might our testimony that says different? Last parenthetical, this isn't saying to have your family destitute and starving because you're like, I'm just loving Jesus. I'm not saying that. God, he has us use wisdom in the decisions that we make. I'm talking about a posture of our heart and you applying practically in the ways it makes sense for you to honor him. And yes, though this isn't a prosperity gospel uh, narrative, yes, he does say, I will open up windows of heaven and pour out blessings for you. But that's, that's just a side order. I'm doing God unto you because I recognize who I am and who I am not. And I recognize that I would have never gotten a door, a foot in the door of UVA and gotten that job. I recognize I wouldn't have this house to live in. I recognize I wouldn't have the community you've given me. I recognize I'm just stewarding that which is on loan. And it's all yours anyway. So with thanksgiving and cheer, I'm going to give it back to you. Will, we didn't even talk this morning and your message was on being consumed. So the question, the challenge is, who or what are you consumed by? And how this week are you going to shift as you need to shift to be consumed by the pursuit of God? Amen? I imagine a community consumed by the pursuit of God such that as I reference our kids without a lecture, I don't know, I can count lectures from my parents on a, literally on one hand. Without a lecture, we'll see what they ought to be consumed by in life. I imagine a community who at some point will give away a large sum. Right now it's about 10% because we're getting going where 10% goes out to church plants and missionaries. And now locally we're partnering with Greenstone on 5th to provide backpacks to the community of need there. So, and we want to increase that so that we can just give. I imagine a community consumed by the pursuit of God in such a way that it will be a testimony to what money can do when it's a tool and not an idol. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.